Thank you for being in the house of God. Turn and shake hands with somebody and welcome them today. Step across the aisle. So thankful that the Lord has allowed us another opportunity, a brand new year, amen, a brand new year. While we were singing a little while ago, I've, I've been asking the Lord to give me something for this year that would help push us move us to a higher place in him and while we were singing a while ago and we felt the breakthrough and some of you got out in the aisle I thought you know what that's the key Paul speaking to Agrippa convicted him by what he heard but his response to that conviction was almost Almost. You almost got me, God. And Paul's reply to that was, I would to God that you were almost and all together. You know what God spoke to me? You need to make this an all together year, not an almost year. Not, not where I, I come to the edge and then I back away and I come to a place of commitment and then I back up, but I'm just going to go all the way, all together. God wants all of me this morning. Come on, let's quit playing games with God. Let's quit quartering out our life to God and, as if we're the one in control. We don't have control of anything. Just give it all to Him. Say, God, I want an all-together year. I want it for my family. I want it for my marriage. I want it for my church. I want it for my community. I don't want to come to the end of another year if the Lord tarries and say, well, we almost did. We almost did. I want to get into the month of February and already be in an overflow of all-together. Ah. <laughs> uh, Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, praise him with me right now. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I bless you. I'm so thankful to be in the house of God. I do believe the Lord's word and the word of God said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end, end of the earth. Lo, I am with you always. I am convinced of that tonight, this morning, that God is with us in this environment that we live in right now. Amen. It's the beginning of a year. 
It's a great opportunity for us to get some things in focus. I'm going to ask this church to join me this week in a time of prayer and fasting. And this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to give me five. I want you to five meals that you will put aside. Five, it doesn't have to be all in a row, but now if you don't eat breakfast, you can't count that as not a meal. All right? Fasting is something that you do regularly and you put it aside. So if you don't eat breakfast or you don't eat lunch, don't count lunch as your five. But I want you to take five meals this week, put them aside, and I want you to give me five minutes of prayer in the morning, five minutes of prayer in the evening. You said, Brother Hughes, that's not very much. I know. But I'll take five minutes right now. As busy as people are, just... Five minutes of sincere, intense prayer and do it five, five days, at least five days this week. Give me five. Five meals, five minutes of prayer, five times this week, morning and evening on those days. And I believe God's going to meet with us. If you'll do that, raise your hand. Amen. Thank you. Luke chapter 5. I'm going to turn to a very familiar portion of Scripture. I'm not going to read the whole passage because it's unnecessary for what I want to speak to you about, but you will find the same setting in Matthew and Mark. They have their particular take, but I was intrigued by Luke and how he worded what the Lord said in this parable. Understand that a parable is a picture of life. It's a picture that God takes of life and parallels it to a spiritual principle. And so in verse 36, he said, And he spake also a parable unto them. No man, no man, no man, spiritual or not, no man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. Luke is the only one that uses that particular word, agreeeth. They all talk about the new with the old, but Luke seemed to catch something about the meaning of what Jesus was saying that perhaps the others did not. And he said, there is a distinction between the old and the new that he is referencing. And they don't agree. And they never will agree. And so what I believe from what the Lord has talked to me about today is that it was a principle, a spiritual principle about life 
that when you get in agreement with it, it will open up brand new vistas for your life spiritually. The bottom line of this message today is you either believe one of two things. You either believe that the best is behind us, the best has already happened, or the best is still before us. And my question today is, why don't we get in agreement with God for 2014? Amen. And that's all that he was really trying to get to, is these men to get in agreement with him. And when they got in agreement with him, supernatural things were going to happen. Mind-blowing things were going to take place. Miracles, signs, wonders were going to happen if they would get in agreement with what he was trying to drive into their spirit. God bless you. You may be seated with that in mind. I don't know, but it seems that we are often afraid to address the word new because it makes us uncomfortable. When we talk about the new, we are thinking of it in reference to the old. And many of us, and I've had men ask me, what's wrong with the old? And there's really not any argument there. There are many good things about old things. <clears throat> but new makes us uncomfortable. Because new, when we, when we read or hear that word, or when, when the preacher starts preaching about something new, we almost get the feeling that, that, that there's a spirit of compromise that's involved in this that you are not appreciating what was past and you don't love the old past. And that was not even close to what Jesus was trying to reference here in this passage. He was not trying to reference old paths or truths that Israel had embraced and he was trying to tell them that you need to forget all that because I've got a new truth for you. That wasn't what he was trying to get through to them at all. It's not a spirit of compromise. It doesn't come to us in the form of a question, what's wrong with the old? It was simply a desire to open their minds and their spirits to what was before them. There are many of the opposite persuasion that believe that new is better. But I come to learn that new is not always better. But even marketing companies have come to understand the concept of new. That even an old product can be revitalized if you just repackage it and color that changed the colors not long ago. Doritos did this just a few years back. An old stable line of chips that everybody eats. They had been on the market for a long time and evidently they had begun to see their sales go down and so 
they came out with these brand new packages. They didn't change the content. They just changed the outside, but they put on the label new and improved. And people started snatching them off the shelves. Their sales went up. There was a spike, and they have continued to see an increase in their sales because of that one thing that gets in the mind. This is new and it is improved. It's better than it was. And the truth of the matter is, as far as I know, they did not change the original formula that they used. They just changed the way they packaged it and presented it to people that bought it. So new is better in some ways, but it's not always best in, in every perspective. So the question is, when you read this passage, was Jesus telling us to throw all of the old to the wind so that we can open ourselves to new things? Was he encouraging what we have seen liberally in our day, the wholesale deletion of old things, old paths, old traditions, old principles, old doctrines. We have seen old truths wholesalely thrown out because we are embracing a new and improved version of the truth. And the answer to those questions is absolutely no. That is not what he was addressing. He was not even encouraging you to throw away old truths. He was not dealing with old truths. He was dealing with the present reality of his presence amidst them and they didn't realize what he had come for. So he wasn't dealing with truth. He was dealing with the manifestation of his presence in their midst so that they would open their mind and their heart to what he was about to do among them as a people. And so he came to open their mind. He was dealing with men who were crippled in their minds and in their spirits by old things. And I'm going to say that because I wanted to register in your mind, but I'm going to give you a definition of old in a moment that will help clarify that. So don't turn me off too soon. Jesus was dealing with what I believe has crippled the work of God for generations. What has crippled the work of God even in the day in which we live. We talk about the revivals of yesterday. And we, some of us desire that. Some of us really hunger for that. But we talk about it as if it was something that happened and it can never happen again. And so we are crippled in our mind and we are crippled in our spirit. We are crippled in our thinking about the work of God. And that's what was going on in the midst of Israel at that time. Their mindset and their view of God and their perspective of God's work in Israel at that time was crippled by some things from the past that they could not 
put together and make them fit into the present moment. God was up to something. They didn't know what it was. And so out of fear, they just rejected it. They refused to acknowledge him as who he was. And you know what? That wasn't a problem of that day. It's happening in this service this morning. When we are pushed to the brink of something new, a new experience, a new touch from God, many times our reaction to that is to withdraw and close the door because it's new and we're not familiar with it. And so Jesus came to deal with what would cripple the work of God that he wanted to do in their midst and that was a mindset that was locked up in the old or in the past or in what was or what used to be or what happened or what he did years ago and it's not open to what he wants to do right now. I wish somebody could hear what I'm trying to say right now and not just sit and look at me, but understand that God is up to something right now. In 2014, God is up to something big. God is up to something great. God is up to something mighty. It may not happen in your family, and if it doesn't, it won't happen because God didn't want to do it. It'll happen because you never opened the door to let him do it. Amen. He was dealing with men who were crippled in their mind and they thought that they knew so much but really they knew so little about what he was doing. He was not attacking the fundamentals of truth. He was striking out at the spirit that resists what God is up to right now because we are too comfortable in what was. Listen to me, folks. You're not going to be saved on what was. You're going to be saved on what is. Do you understand that? You're not going to be saved that you knew or you know something. It's, you're, you're going to be saved because of what you presently are living and embracing at this moment. You're not going to get out of this thing just because you've been around a church all your life and this is all you've ever known. You're only going to get out of here because there is a fresh touch of God on your life at this moment. At this present hour that God is still working in your life and he's still working in my life. That's what Jesus was dealing with. The new and the old and he was striking at the spirit that resists God's work right now because they were so encased in what God had done. One of the secrets one of the great secrets of life is the ability to make adjustments. None of us can get by without that. Life is about adjustments because nothing stays the same. Nothing. You, won't. you, you, you are not the same. As pretty as you tried to make yourself this morning, you're not the same as you were five years ago. You can rearrange it and shuffle it and move it around, tighten it up in places, but you're changing. And so what do you do? Some people go have facelifts, but that's a, 
facelift only works as good as a soul lift, according to one doctor. Yeah, he told a, special, a woman in California, true story, a very wealthy woman uh, wanted to get a new start at life. She'd been through a tragic divorce, and so she wanted to get a new start at life. So she went out, had a facelift, all this work done on her. And she was so proud of herself. She looked 10 years younger, 15 years younger. She had a new lease on life. But before she left the hospital, the doctor came by to visit with her. He said, I got to tell you something. And you listen to me. He said, your facelift will not last more than five years if you don't have something else happen in your life. She looked at him and said, what do you mean? I paid all this money and it's only going to last. She said, that's right. He said, until you have a soul lift, your facelift will never last. And you can tuck it and pull it and stretch it and tighten it and do all the outside stuff you want to do. But the real key is what's on the inside. And the real key is what is God doing right now in my life? What is God wanting to do right now? What is God up to right now? What is God about to do in this place and in this community right now? And so one of the secrets of life is knowing how to make adjustments. Brother Eldon's favorite word is flexibility. And that really is the key to life. You have to learn how to make adjustments. You, you don't go through life without making adjustments. If you have a good marriage, it's because you've learned how to make adjustments. I parted the hair. Yeah. If you have a good job that lasts you for a long time, you make adjustments. If you succeed at anything in life, it's because you learn to deal with the changes that come in life. And if you don't, life becomes a shipwreck and a car wreck. It becomes a tragedy. All progress is based on the principle of adjustment. If that were not the case, all of us would have come to church in chariots today. Come on, Lucy. Come on, Jill. Come on. I'm sorry. <laughs> come on, Bob, Bill, George, Sue. You know what I'm talking about? We, we, we'd, be, we'd, be in, we'd be walking in sandals instead of riding in the comfort of an automobile. But because men saw the need of adjustment, we ride in nice, comfortable rides today. So life is about adjustment. It's about making those adjustments that are necessary to get along with what God is doing right now. God is not a God of the past. He is a God of the present. And Israel had this concept in their mind that everything God had done had already happened. And now here God is in flesh trying to talk to them, work with them, and they're not even seeing it. They're not even open to it. And so he starts talking to them about new and old. Life is forever changing. And so it demands a certain elasticity 
God is up to something and we got to find out what it is and get in alignment and get attuned and get in agreement with him. There are certain pressures that life bring on you and I that we have to learn how to deal with. And Jesus was not advocating what many are advocating and that is the wholesale throwing out of all old things for new ways. But he was saying there's something going on that you need to become aware of and you need to get in agreement with it. You need to get in alignment with it. You see, there are two words in the Greek for new. And one of them means new in reference to time. Something that has never been before. It becomes something in existence now. What has just appeared. It has to do with age. It has to do with time. But there's another word for new which means fresh, current, fresh, current, recent, something that is uncommon. It's new in nature, not new in time. Different than the usual. And so when Jesus was talking to these men about new and old, the word that he used for new was not new in reference of time. It was new in reference to fresh, current, recent, versus old. And the word for old indicates stale. Stale. So... God's up to something new, but here are these men encased in stale rituals and stale that had life at one time, but they had become nothing more than routine and, and rituals and formalities. And, and, and you know what? We, we look at that and say, oh, we, we, we don't do that, but we have our Pentecostal formalisms. There's some of us that get all bent out of shape if we don't have three songs an offering and a sermon, if church goes any other way than that, then people get all out of sorts. We have our little catechism we go through. We have our little rituals. We know how to praise the Lord. We got our vocabulary. Jesus isn't interested in my vocabulary. He's not interested in my ritual. What he wants to know is, is there anything recent going on in your life that I had anything to do with? Is there anything fresh going on in your family that my hand has been involved? Is there anything going on recently that I had the power to have a say in? That's what God's interested in. He was drawing a contrast between that which is stale and that which is fresh. That which is flexible and that which is unmovable. That which is soft and that which is hard. And which would you rather have? Stale bread or fresh bread? And God's saying... I've got some fresh bread here for you folks. And all you're interested in is the stale. I didn't change the formula for the bread. The bread formula is still the same. But I have a fresh batch of it. 
You know what, church? We don't have to talk about what God did 20 years ago or 10 years ago or when this, we, we were talking about some of these things the other night about when we used to have this huge youth group. And I thought, you know what, God? That's a rebuke against us. If we can look back and see that our past is greater than our present, then something's wrong with us, not God. Because God is continually up to something new. He's always doing something fresh. He is always doing something current. God is not a God of the past. He is a God of the present and he is the God of the future. He is not somewhere locked away in some what was or what did happen, but he is a very present help in time of need. Amen. And so what do you want this year? You want stale or do you want fresh? What kind of church services do we want to have around here in 2014? Come on, scare somebody else, Brother Joe. We need something scared out of us this morning. There's some of us that are so stuck in our little routine that if anybody gets out of sorts around us, we get our feelings all rough. We need to understand God's up to something new. God's up to something fresh. God wants to do something he's never done before. And he wants to do it in your family. He wants to do it in your home. You see, all God was trying to get them to understand is that the operation of the Holy Ghost requires freshness of life. It requires newness of life. One of the words in Scripture that scares me to death is a word that you will find more than once if it's not spoken, it is inferred. And that word is hardness. There's nothing that, that troubles me more than that. And the reason it troubles me is because hardness happens so easily. You don't have to try to be hard to become hard. You just have to be exposed to certain elements for a long period of time. And it will, if, if you don't have the right other ingredients applied, you will become hard. It's like the piece of clay. It doesn't have to become mean. If it's just exposed to the sun long enough and there's not enough moisture put back in it, it's going to become hard and brittle. And you know what? People can come and sit on a church pew and not experience, even though God's pouring out the Holy Ghost, even though the rain of heaven's falling, it doesn't fall on them. They won't let it fall on them. They've got their umbrella up. They've got their protection out. They've got their bands up. They don't want God getting too close because they don't want God messing with where they're at right now. And so they keep God at arm's length. And, and they don't have to do anything to become hard. It's just a natural process. We become brittle. We become unmovable. We become embedded, untouchable, insensitive, means rigidness. What it produces is 
Hardness. Hardness. Hardness is a byproduct of staleness. Staleness. You know, you ladies, you take a loaf of bread and, and you let it begin to get stale. It also begins to harden. Gets crusty. And so it is in our life that when we get stale, when there's not a fresh work of the Holy Ghost, when there's not a fresh touch of God on our life, when we, some of us haven't prayed through in so long, it's almost frightening. Some of you haven't talked in tongue in so long. It is scary to know that you have the Holy Ghost in you or you should have and it's not being manifest in some way that there is the possibility that I can be exposed to all of this and yet it not do for me what God designed for it to do for me and produce in my life what he wants it to produce. And so I miss God's best for me because I am old. I'm stale. I'm hardened. Some of us need a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost. The way we need to start 2014 is just to ask God, I want you to pour it out on my head so it runs down my garments and it goes down to the very toes of my body. I don't want you just to touch my forehead. I don't want it just around my ears. I want it dripping off my beard if I have a beard. I want it dripping off my coattail if I have a coattail. I want it dripping off my toes. I want it to run down all over me. I don't want just a touch. I want God to drench me in the Holy Ghost. Ha, 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 ha. Ah, yes, 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 yes. The thing that we battle today that I am most alarmed about as a pastor is the spirit of hardness. We become unmovable. Nobody can stir us and nobody can motivate us. Nobody can touch us. The spirit work cries for freshness in my life. God said, I'm up to something right now. And you need a fresh touch to receive it. You need fresh eyes to see it. You need a fresh heart to feel it. You need a fresh attitude to experience it. I want to ask you something. If you keep the attitude you closed 2013 with, do you think you're going to get any better results in 2014? So why not ask God, give me a new attitude? <laughs> My old attitude hadn't improved anything. It hadn't made anything better. Then God, give me a new attitude. Why are you preaching like this? Because that's what God gave me to preach. Because there's people here today, good people, we're struggling with attitudes in our heart about things and issues, maybe in the church or with family or with people, and we let it become a wall, a barrier. And God said, hey, do you really want that? Is that how you want your life to end? Do you want to be like that the rest of your life? Or do you want to open yourself to what I can do? And I can do a miracle in your life. I can transform your life. I can turn that situation around. I can make all things new. I can make all things new. Amen. Amen. We need a fresh mindset for 2014. Don't let your mind become 
like an old skin that cannot receive the new things that God wants. Don't let your mind become so brittle and so set that when God presents something new that you just tighten down, batten down the hatches, put up the defenses, and our theme song becomes, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. And we're not. We're not. You see, God could have done with the Pharisees what he did with the disciples. But he couldn't because they were closed. They had an old mindset that wouldn't allow them to embrace the new work that God was doing in their midst. And so God had to choose 12 men that were not even equipped to do what they were called to do. Fishermen, tax collectors, liars, cheaters, thefts, thieves, whatever you want, thieves. And he could have started with the spiritual men of that day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but he couldn't get through to them. He couldn't penetrate their hardness. And he did it over and over and over. He said to them one time, he said, if the works that I have done in your cities had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah would have repented a long time ago. That's how hard you have become. And I'm not preaching to be mean this morning. I'm just preaching to tell some of you folks, you better be careful about where you let your heart settle. And you better be careful about the spirit and the mindset that you let become your mind because it can rob you of everything present that God is wanting to do. And the current things that God is up to. If you keep addressing life with that same old attitude, are you going to get a different result? Don't let your mind become like old wineskins. Don't let your heart become like old wineskins. Don't... Don't let your attitude become like old wineskins. I had somebody tell me one time, saying they're really discouraged because of something about the church. I looked at the guy and I said, well, that's not new. I bet that's not a reason to give up on the church. That's not a reason to quit praying. That's not a reason to quit worshiping. If I'm going to change that, the only way I'm going to change that is to get back to a prayer room, get back in a place of worship, get back to a place where my heart can be touched afresh because God is up to something and I want to be a part of it. I don't want God to bypass me and go next door or down the street or somewhere else and pour out his spirit when he wants to do it right here. I don't want God to bypass me and say, I'm sorry, I tried, but you would never open the door to me. I want to throw the door open in 2014. I want to say, God, do something new in my life. Do something fresh in my family. Do something fresh in my heart. Do something fresh with my mind today. Come on, let's stand to our feet right now. My God, I, I, I wish I could preach the way I feel today. I, I know I've screamed a lot. I don't know that I've gotten through to some of you, but we need a fresh touch from the Holy Ghost today. I said, you need a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost.
You need to, you need to feel it going down your, your head like liquid oil. You don't need just some little quiver up your spine. You need a shock from heaven that'll knock you out on your backside if need be. I need to be shaken out of the hardness. Life can make you that way. You know, when you get hurt enough, when you get done wrong enough, when people, when people wound you enough, it's natural to close the door. It's natural to put up the defenses. But I want to ask you something today. Has God ever done anybody here anything but good? I didn't say what man, I said has God ever done anything for you but good? Then you need to open yourself to that today. God, and if you'll open yourself to that, God will help you with this. But God's never going to be able to help you with this until you open to that. I need a fresh touch. I need my mind. I need a new attitude. Oh, God, I need a new heart. I, I need a new spirit. Oh, I need new eyes. I, I need to be able to see life better. I, I need to be able to see life better. Hallelujah.